Hi, and welcome to RevOps Unboxed, the podcast that dives into the world of revenue operations brought to you by me, Sandy Robinson, in partnership with Revenue Operations Alliance. In each episode, we'll be unboxing the best practices, strategies, and real stories of revenue operations practitioners to help you optimize revenue operations, grow and scale your organization. On this episode of RevOps Unboxed, I speak with Katarina Ostrovsky, Head of Global Revenue Operations Strategy, GTM and Enablement at JellySmack. Today, we will discuss the importance of looking at changes in data versus just flat data. Let's get started. All right, Katarina, thank you so much for joining me today. I was really excited to listen to you speak um, and wanted to talk a little bit about your topic, your data and uh, first of all, would like uh, you to introduce yourself. So tell me a little bit about uh, your background and um, what you want to talk about today. Thank you, Sandy. Um, great to be here. Um, I am with a company called Jelly Smack. I've been there for about a year. We are part of the creator economy, but from um, my career perspective, I've spent about the last 20 years at a variety of fintech firms, SaaS companies, and been doing RevOps my uh, entire professional career because I love it so much. And I find that it's constantly evolving and changing and there's always something new. So it's a topic that I love to talk about. That's great. You were doing RevOps before it was RevOps. I love it. Oh, yes. I Back when it. it was called Sales Ops. Right. For right. people who remember, yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, one of the things that uh, you you and I were talking about uh, before was just really this whole idea of revenue operations being data driven. So maybe you can tell me a little bit more about how you approach that in your organizations and past organizations and what that means to you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely data driven is, a, is something that companies aspire to be. It's a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot, but just having large amounts of data or large amounts of reporting doesn't mean that you're actually looking at the right metrics um, that you need to, to, to have real improvements in your business. So one of the things that I've become excited about um, with the advent of all the new technologies um, and the visualization tools is the ability to truly track change in your reporting. Um, it, it's not enough to just look at one point in time anymore. You have to be able to track change. You have to know how you're pacing. Um, you have to basically have dynamic data instead of flat data. And when you do that, when you are able to kind of dig deep and understand how, for example, your sales, um, your salespeople are converting opportunities from stage to stage, um, you can look at the areas of weakness and then target your um, initiatives, your improvement strategies, your enablement towards those specific areas. So it's not about creating big organization-wide change. It's not about redoing your entire sales process. It's really about understanding what specific areas or what specific individual contributors you have, where are their struggles and where can you make those tweaks um, to really impact your revenue growth. I really love that concept of flat data because I, I really think you're right. I mean, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't tell you much. Um, and this idea of just bubbling up some sort of little 
piece of micro data that can help to make a change or to make an impact. Uh, do you have an example maybe of how, how you've done that or something that you've bubbled up and, and sure from there? Um, so, so look, flat data is very black and white and it's not that it's inaccurate. It can just lead us to the wrong insights. It doesn't really show us root cause. When you're looking at a salesperson's performance as an example, and you're seeing that they're not performing well against their quota, the only thing that says to you is they're not performing well. But it doesn't give you any insight into how you as an organization or you as an enabler or a coach can help with the area that they need. They specifically need support on. So when you're looking at an individual contributor, you should be seeing how are they moving opportunities through their pipeline. And it, you can see that some, some salespeople struggle with negotiation. A different salesperson may struggle in the legal and contract st stage. Some salespeople struggle with discovery. If you're looking at your entire sales process and your just wanting to make kind of holistic, large-scale changes, you're not really addressing kind of that individual and their individual struggles. So um, kind of breaking things down into bite-sized pieces and then most importantly, showing, well, go back to showing change week over week, you make those small improvements. It may or may not work, but you're not going to know that unless you're tracking the actual change. Right. Um, and it's a great way to show ROI, so. Right, well, and then, you know, a lot of times people think they just, they look great on these reports and really at the end of the day, they're just skating and they're moving deals and you have sliding close dates and all the things that uh, really aren't getting you the end results. Uh, but I really liked how you're tying it back to the coaching. So I think that's really powerful from a RevOps perspective that you can bubble up is something that's going wrong by identifying these week over week changes, or maybe it's a market difference, or maybe it's their technique and bringing it back to the leaders. Yes. I also think it's a great way for revenue ops to really partner with enablement because, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's fine to do big group trainings um, when you roll out a product or do launches and, and all of that is great. But I think that if you expose this kind of data to an enablement professional, and they can really coach that salesperson on the area that they're struggling with, makes a really powerful combination with our partners. And we're always trying to partner with enablement. So um, I think it's great for them, but it's on RevOps to really um, surface these insights. That's where we're bringing the value by surfacing the insights. That, I mean, that's great. Are, are you then also working hand in hand with the sales leaders in addition to the enablement leaders? Like how does that, how does that kind of all transpire? 100%. I mean, some of uh, a lot of this actionable data is um, it's great when it's visualized and, and most importantly, when it's simple enough to be understood. I'm always looking at reports and the, the goal of a good actionable report is simplicity. It's right. not complexity. You're never going to get adoption from sales leaders if you if you send them a bunch of numbers and then you have to spend hours explaining. Um, and so, you know, we, we have, we've built dashboards for our uh, sales leaders that we use on a daily basis. I don't 
pick up the phone or get on a Google Meet without having a dashboard up because yeah. you you have to use them. You have to talk to the data. Um, but I found that as I've simplified um, and made things easy to find and also just very clear and actionable in a way that they can kind of um, click down, they can they can see this macro view of how they're um, certain products are performing or certain salespeople are performing, um, but then they're able to click down further and filter down. And, and that's where you really find root cause. If you have one poor performer, it can skew your averages um, across a pipeline like crazy. But, it, you know, and then you, you can start coming to conclusions that aren't necessarily accurate because you're looking at these averages that are being skewed by one. But if you can click all the way down, you can say, oh, okay, as a whole, we're actually doing pretty well. Um, but for this one particular person, they need support in this area. And then that changes the whole picture. Yeah, I mean, that's huge because I think sometimes it's easy to make assumptions. Well, this is a product problem or mm -hmm. it's a marketing isn't providing the right leads problem. But really, in reality, it is it's one or two people who are struggling with an actual sales conversation or maybe they need some training around the market intelligence and competition or something like that. Exactly. So, exactly right. It, it, and and sometimes you're, you're looking at your products and, you know, they're your win rates are different and, and you have to ask yourself, why am I winning more with one particular product than the other? What am I doing differently? How am I talking to the customer? Um, and I think it's data like that, that makes it consumable for the whole organization. So yes, sales leadership can certainly benefit, but so can your product org. So can your marketing org and of course your enablement org. So that's, I mean, that's great. I bet the sales managers uh, really love you because you're you're providing them that level of detail or sometimes maybe not, right? Like they, they don't always want to hear it, right? But um, yeah. it's better to have that information so nobody's getting surprised. I think that's, that, that's where extreme ownership comes in. Like if you have the data and you're looking at the right insights, then it's incumbent on your sales leaders to own it and advocate for that change, whatever it may be. Um, and, and I think that when you can prove that the changes you're making are having the right impact, your organization gets on board they, they, because right. it becomes, it's a lot less scary to make change in little micro increments. <laughs> right. You can get a lot more people on your side to say, Hey, we're going to make this change for a short period of time. And then we're going to track if it was mm -hmm. successful. And if it's not, we're going to reverse course. That's a, that's not a scary message to send at, at all, all versus uh, we're revamping our entire sales process. We've brought in the wrong people. <laughs> this product isn't selling. You're, you're saying, no, no, no. We are going to make one tiny micro improvement based right. on this piece of actionable data. And then we're going to monitor it. Yep. And that's that's all it is. It's, it's, it, there's no big magic to it. It's right. just taking things in bite size. Right. Yeah. I mean, that that's exactly, that's exactly it. They can, they can handle it. They can, you know, process it and say, okay, well, I can give this a try. It's not as scary because humans, you know, inherently don't like to change. Right. One thing that you said that, uh, and you've talked about before that really called out to me is just this whole idea of being transparent. Mm. Tell me more about that. Cause not every organization likes to be transparent. So yeah. what, what, uh, um, what that, do you think in there? That was a journey for me too. It, you know, I, I've, I've built a lot of um, reports and, and analysis that I've only shared with senior leadership, but over over time, 
um, it's dawned on me that if you give individuals the power to truly understand how they're performing beyond flat, beyond you're doing well or you're doing poorly, mm -hmm. but really the areas where they're excelling or they're struggling, I think it is human nature to want to improve. Everyone Definitely. wants to be better. And so giving salespeople access to information that in the past has been really just available to, to management. Mm -hmm. I, I think that empowers your sales organization. I think it, it creates a really good competitive tension within your mm -hmm. organization and it holds the salesperson accountable. So I've completely reversed course on it. Um, I make everything I have available um, across my organization and, you know, it's a, it, it is nerve wracking when you are showing um, that level of detail uh, to senior people. But um, I think as long as you're showing alongside it, the context and the improvement um, and the growth, mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's not a scare. And, and it's so valuable for the people that do grab a hold of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the right people you want on Correct. the bus anyway, Correct. right? So the people that are afraid of this data or are highly resistant, you may end up you know, having some folks weed themselves out you know, throughout the process, I'm sure. That's yeah. true, yeah. that's true. And I mean, we, we have a, um, lots of enabling technologies. Um, you know, Gong comes up a lot and, and that's that can be a scary technology for a salesperson when all of a sudden the entire organization is, is listening to their phone calls. Yeah. Um, but same as just uh, having this um, actionable data, it's the same thing. If you're looking at it from the perspective of, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm being recorded and I can actually improve how I'm doing this and improve and do better and sell more. And if you just kind of get your organization to have that mi mind shift, um, I think you can get people on board and get excited. Oh, definitely. So I, I experienced that as well when we rolled out, uh, we rolled out Gong mm -hmm. a while back and yeah. SDRs are pretty used to it, but sometimes AEs, not so much. So we right. had some resistance, but the whole org got on board. So our CEO's calls are recorded and they're able to listen to all of them. So even if they're not on the call with a prospect, they see the value and, oh, I can not be on that call, but I can get all the information. Mm -hmm. So that's how they use it. And then obviously the managers and rev ops and everybody, we use it from a coaching and deal review sure. perspective and things like that. So, but, you know, like you said, it's also helpful for your product organization, your marketing oh, yeah. organization. I mean, and, you know, you're using this to improve and make yourself better. So I think it's, it sends a really positive message. But. For sure. So, you know, I know um, we could probably talk all day long about this stuff because we're two uh, nerdy RevOps people. Yes. So <laughs> I, I, I would love to, and definitely would, would love to talk more. Um, but I would just like to, if from you, just any, for RevOps leaders, any advice or closing thoughts yeah. uh, that you want to leave people with? Uh, I think RevOps is a maturing function within organizations. You know, 20 years ago, no one knew what it was. But I think I think the key takeaway for us RevOps geeks and data geeks is, you know, we, our customers are internal, right? Our customers are the CRO, the product people, the sales organization, the marketing organization. And it's important that we provide 
value and show the value of our function. I think that RevOps is positioned to be a trusted advisor to any one of those organizations and really surface up the change that needs to happen in an organization um, and even support actioning it and you know the initiatives that go behind it. I, I, I think that when you just provide a report without the context, without the recommendation, it's not enough. So I challenge all of us to be more proactive, um, more consultative, uh, and really help the organization um, identify how they can grow. That's great. I, I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. And it's great seeing you here in person, and we will talk soon. Sounds great. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. That was an episode of RevOps Unboxed, and thank you for joining. Thanks for tuning in to RevOps Unboxed, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode.